Welcome to EvolveNest.org Book Reviews. My name is Dr. Darsha Narvaez, and I'm here with Mary Tarsha. We are both at the University of Notre Dame's Department of Psychology and the Kroc Institute for International Peace Studies. Hi, Mary. Hi, Darsha. In these book review podcasts, we discuss books aimed at parents and how they align or not with humanity's Evolve Nest and with child thriving. First, a quick review of the Evolve Nest. Humans evolved to be nested, and Humanity's Nest for Young Children helps optimize children's development, foster thriving, flourishing, and resilience capacities in children of all ages. The Evolved Nest includes soothing gestation and birth, on-request extensive breastfeeding and positive moving touch, no negative touch, a welcoming social climate, self-directed play with multiple-aged playmates, warmly responsive nurturing from mother and others, nature immersion and connection, and healing practices to repair miscommunication or hurts and rebalance. Child thriving includes physical health, happiness and well-being, self-acceptance and self-confidence, self-control, emotional intelligence, sociality and social skills, empathy, perspective taking, kindness, active curiosity, and community cooperation. Today, we are talking about Micheline's Duclef's book, Hunt, Gather, Parent, What Ancient Cultures Can Teach Us About the Lost Art of Raising Happy, Helpful Little Humans. So both Mary and I were a little disappointed with this book, and we'll tell you why shortly. First, we want to go through the the nest components and see what does she cover and how well and what she advises. So let's start with soothing perinatal experiences. She doesn't uh, address at all. Breastfeeding mm-hmm. is not addressed at all, but she does mention positive touch uh, a little bit and how that's helpful for calming a child, a young child. So she, she's um, a reporter who had a, uh, well, at the time of the writing, a three-year-old, and was having trouble with her daughter, Rosie, and so was trying to figure out how to figure out or how to, you know, uh, improve her parenting and improve their relationship. So, Mary, you want to give a little more background first? Sure. And and we chose the book because we were really interested in these ancient parenting practices. And so the idea behind the book is really a fascinating idea that she's really seeking out um, other cultures that have been um, engaging in parenting practices for many, many years that still maintain parenting practices that have been around a long time, thousands of years. And she herself shares a lot of her own personal story about her own frustrations And just the anguish, really, that she's been going through is really hard for her. And uh, one particular story is how, you know, she's awake, starts out the book at five in the morning, and she feels like she's getting ready for battle, you know, when her uh, toddler is going to wake up, because just the whole day is, you know, a series of battles and power struggles. And so she thought there has to be a better way of parenting and so she immerses herself in several other cultures around the world, the Mayans, the Inuits, and the Hadzabis, and uh, shares her experiences of what she has learned from them. And so 
Um, one of the things that she learned is about positive moving touch and how other cultures use touch to calm and soothe. And it was you know, a new experience for her to see that even three-year-olds, four-year-olds, when they're upset, can be soothed through picking them up and calming them in that way. Uh, so that was one example of something that she had learned and, how, and the nest component of positive moving touch. Right, and so I think uh, she, she points out that Western educated, industrialized, rich and democratic nations, WEIRD uh, is the acronym for that, uh, have gotten kind of off track in terms of parenting. And she admits, well, we, we can see that she's very controlling parenting, parent, uh, which is a Western kind of thing to do uh, in various ways. And she herself really um, had difficulty because she wanted to make the child do things, right? Coerce and force and realizes from her, her travels and experiences with these other communities that that doesn't actually, is not the best way. And there are other ways to get your child to do things that are helpful. And so the whole book is about making a helpful child. So we have some comments about that shortly, but let's go on about the other aspects of the nest, there's play. And she brings up dramatic play along with scary stories as a way to, again, sculpt behavior, uh, either control misbehavior, avoid misbehavior, or um, help the child obey <laughs> in essence. <laughs> mm -hmm. She also talks about play um, in terms of work so from the very beginning, you know, there is a focus and an emphasis throughout the book of how to get your child to work and how, how to get your child to be responsible and contribute to the family through work. And so she emphasizes having your child do chores as a way of play, um, because for them, it's fun. Um, but you know, what, one good thing about that is the, um, the chores and the play, how it, she emphasizes doing it all together. So if you're making tortillas or you're making a meal, you know, really involving your toddler in different ways. And that's how you build these, these skills. Yeah. So she uses the acronym TEAM, T-E-A-M, uh, for togetherness which is this very communal way of being together, living together and doing the, whatever needs to be done around the household, a child can help with that and not put, push them aside or put them in front of a screen while you do all the work. Instead, this is a shared kind of life-centered way of, of building togetherness around daily tasks. So team then also means encouragement without force, autonomy uh, and minimal interference. So she uses those um, categories to describe her experiences with these other cultures. And even, yeah, the emphasis is very much about um, productivity and you know, how you can get your child to work or be responsible and that type of thing. But one uh, value that I see in the book is she has this um, revelation, this aha moment where she realizes her way of parenting is all about entertaining. And so from the child, the, you know, the moment the child gets up to go to bed, it's all about how can I entertain my child? And she realizes that this is not the way of parenting that has been successful 
across the world for thousands of years. So moving from how to entertain my child to how to just embrace them as a family member that has value and is important, you know, right from the beginning. And so her way of understanding that is through chores or through involvement in work around the house. So the valuing of the child is what their contribution is to the family. So let's uh, look at Alma Mothers then, number six. She really uh, notices this difference between her experience in the United States as a parent with a husband, but all the burden of raising the child is on the two parents. Whereas in these other cultures, it's a community event <laughs> and everyone's interested and everyone helps. Mm -hmm. So she's Absolutely. very envious. <laughs> Yes, and she has a lot of stories in there about just how relaxed she felt by being within this communal setting of sitting in a living room with other adults and other children of all ages and everyone is playing together and how the other mothers uh, really had a lot of pity for her because she was parenting all by herself. They saw it as, you know, her having to not only be the caregiver, but to play with the child and to provide all these different things. And so their perspective is that a child needs many, many people, many other children really need a community. And she just relishes in that. One of the comments was to her, oh, well, your child is sick of you because <laughs> you're yeah. sick of you all the time. It's no wonder she's misbehaving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, that's a, yeah, it's like a cue. Our children need many relationships, not just the one or two in the in nuclear family. Mm -hmm. All right, how about responsivity? So really the, the book is about moving from engineering your child. Well, actually, she didn't really engineer, reactive. So it seems like she was so reactive to her child whenever the child didn't do what she expected. She didn't have any understanding of it. She just reacted, right? And uh and everything escalated into angry words back and forth, which just made everything worse and made the life at home miserable. So that's why she went on this journey to figure out how to change. There is a big emphasis on anger. And so she shares about how, you know, she was angry a lot throughout her day, every day. You know, she says that she yelled at her child every single day. She yelled in the family every day. She yelled at work every day. She yelled on Twitter every day or social media, I guess, every day. And so there is a, a, a big part of the book is on how to control the anger and how to move from reacting to the anger to be able to, you know, stop the fires that take place between the toddler and the parent through all of this anger. And so I don't know if we would call that responsivity, but I think it's a first step towards uh, recognizing that parenting out of anger is not the best place to be parenting from, right? It's not parenting from calmness and uh, a sense of what is best for the child, but as you're saying, Darsha, it's just reactive. And what she learns from the other mothers and the other cultures is that children are perceived as learners, that they're understood to, of course, they're gonna misbehave and be bossy and, and aggressive, they don't know any better yet. And so the parents, the adults, the older children are there to help them learn with patience and kindness and modeling. So let's go to nature connection. She <laughs> does mention uh, the use uh, in the Inuit community, they would say, well, if the child is just dysregulated, they wouldn't say that word, but uh, upset, 
and isn't calming themselves down, then take them outside. And I introduce them to, you know, have them look at the sunset or whatever it is outside, uh, or just have them be outside, which is a calming experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do say, you know, if a child's misbehaving, oh, they've been inside too long, right? That is a conclusion. So um, that was was a great pearl uh, within the book. Right. And what about healing practices, Darsha? So she doesn't really mention them. I think she's trying to heal her parenting throughout the book, uh, her parenting style. Um, But it's really um, mostly, we think, not the kind of healing that we would consider real healing, which is a heart-centered healing. You have to come from the center of your emotions, your social emotional intelligence, your connections, your relationships, and place relationships first and responsiveness and attunement and flexibility to relationships, which she notes children have on these other communities that they're more socially, emotionally intelligent than than she is, <laughs> let alone all the children in the United States. So, uh, so she's not really healing in the way that we would describe the healing. She's more, again, engineering. How does she be- better engineer her child's life or her relationship with her child without putting the relationship first? Mm-hmm. Right. So a clear example of that would go back to the anger So instead of, you know, um, her approach is to kind of make a step-by-step process of how to control her anger in order to minimize her child's tantrums and outbursts and fighting. And so it is a revelation for her to, as she sees these other parents, not to argue with a young child or a child in general. So that's the first step that she takes. So there is still this series of steps for her and she lays them out to help other people. Um, And these are important and I think are are valuable, but we're saying that another approach is to examine the sources of the anger in order to heal those from the first place, rather than just trying to minimize them or control them so that there is really a release and a healing of that anger and a greater self-awareness. So I think that um, pivots to some of the concerns we ha- we had. Yeah, and so we we thought this would not be a book to select if you're only reading one parenting book per year. If you're reading twenty of them, go ahead read this one too. But it's not going to give you the heart centered orientation that really is going to help your child thrive. This is uh, because it's so focused on helping me as a parent uh, not get upset with you <laughs> and how I cannot, you know, control my, my anger. I still have the anger, but I can control better. It's just not as healing as we would want a parenting book to uh, be oriented to. Right. And it seems that um, one of the also things that we've talked about is there's a lot of dysregulation that she talks about within her book. That's what we would call her um, emotional regulation and a lot of behavioral dysregulation. And so one of the concerns is, yes, we want to help change behavior, but we want to do it from a position that's a heart heart-centered position. And also, you know, when you have that heart-centered position, it's really about relationship and coming from a relational understanding of the child being important and valuable just because they are, not because of what they can contribute to the family in terms of 
workload or responsibility. And so that would be another critique that I would have of it. Um, you know, that is a failure, I think, within the Western framework of really seeing your value because of what you produce. <laughs> and it's very interesting that she goes to these other cultures where that is not their emphasis per se, but their children are contributing much more. And so she's very fascinated with that rather than uh, the well-being and the thriving of my child. And in order to promote that, then it has to be that heart-centered relational. And then doing that by providing the different aspects of the nest. So she mentions a couple times that the her pediatrician gave her charts to follow, like uh, to do <laughs> um, sleep training when the child was six months, which we would disagree with, and feeding schedules, we disagree with that too. Uh, and other ways of, you know, forcing a child into something. And she mentions that these ideas about sleep, sleep issues and feeding schedules were all started with institutions with uh, where they had uh, orphans or um, children in these hundreds of children to manage. And so they came up with these procedures, you know, to manage their sleeping and their eating. And then it got into parenting books because we have so many immigrants that came to the United States who didn't bring their extended wise elders with them, uh, didn't know how to raise a child. So they turned to these uh, books, uh, so-called experts, not really. And so we've got all these myths that are guiding Western parenting still. And so it was good to see that she at least acknowledged those. She didn't really tackle them very deeply. Uh, but I think this book is going to be good for people who have an orientation to kind of engineering parenting and how not to be as controlling. And um, especially if you're making everyone mad and unhappy, mm -hmm. this book might be good for people who are at that, in that space. We would advocate though, that uh, for thriving for, of the children and the family, uh, the relationship has to come first. And that means lots of different nuances and uh, these techniques might work, but you have to let go of them once they've been habituated and be hard, be there with your child, right? And be creative and, and uh, sensitive to who they are uniquely not just as a helper in the family. Yeah, so there is a, uh, a big theme of control, as you're saying, throughout the book. It seems, it's very interesting. It's a great book to read, just learning about her own personal journey. Um, but it seems over and over, a big theme is about her relinquishing control because of an awareness of the goodness of the child, you know? And that is at the heart of, heart-centered parenting and also of the evolved nest is the awareness and the understanding and the trust that your child is made good, the developmental process is good, and so then you can trust them and how they grow and what they do and how they ex experiment with things, and that changes your interpretation of they're not misbehaving, they're experimenting with something, or they're not misbehaving, they just need to go outside, <laughs> those type of things. Yes, they want to be good. Mm -hmm. Well, any last comments here, Mary? I guess we do not recommend it in general for the for everyone to read, but only if you are a, a deep reader of parenting books. 
And there were a couple other concerns that I think maybe we should uh, address just briefly. So at one point in the book that um, these are things that actually cut against the nest provision. So one of them is just, she says, you know, don't pick up a crying baby, wait until an older sibling steps in or does it. So we would argue against that. She also uses mods. Before you go on, uh, just to say, you don't want to wait till baby's crying to help them uh, self-regulate. Uh, they're already giving you signals before that. Their gestures, their face, you know, you want to keep them calm because their biochemistry is really important during their rapid brain development. And so don't leave babies to cry, period, and don't let them get to that state. And it's interesting, she actually did observe that in one of the communities she went she went into. She said, I hardly ever heard a baby cry. <laughs> So, right. Um, the other thing is uh, she uses and encourages monsters, uh, sometimes even lying to children, storytelling as a way to get children uh, to do what you want them to do. So that is also something that would cut against involvedness provision. And just uh, in, in a way, it's a, she was, uh, the book is about manipulating your children, <laughs> to put it in a nutshell, uh, for getting them to do things you want them to do. Uh, so, yeah, well, <laughs> that is one way to think about what a parent does. But uh, again, it's not the thriving orientation that we would want to see. So in conclusion, yeah, go ahead. So in conclusion, um, we actually give this book two thumbs down in terms of it not being heart-centered and providing the nest. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>